Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because, yep, we're We're going going there. there. Welcome back to another episode of Going There. Ooh, I was thinking going there and you went up. Reflection. I thought we were being like jokey. So I felt like wow. to be like going, going there. there. Let's Welcome back, address everybody. the elephant in the room. No pun intended. <laughs> That's actually terrible. I'm the literal kidding. elephant is me. It's Christian's me as I pregnant. am trying not to breathe heavily into this mic because I'm actually having a hard time breathing. Yeah, we thought that last week oh. would be, you guys don't know any different. Again, we've already explained her maternity leave will mean nothing to you all because we'll be releasing episodes right through it. However, we are recording today thinking that this would have been week one of your maternity leave, but you're the still here. Still bacon. So here we are recording. It's fine, guys. If you hear heavy breathing in this, I hope our editor edits He'll take it, out. it out. But guys, I'm having a hard time. But She's... it's okay. I really wasn't feeling antsy until I learned from my doctor where my progress is at. Obviously, I want to meet our child, but I'm really mm-hmm. not feeling antsy. But then just the waiting for the expectancy of just what mm-hmm. I know my body is doing versus what is yeah. actually happening, then I'm confused. I feel like TMI. you were having some symptoms. This Okay, in full transparency, today is January 12th that we're recording this and you were having some weird feelings at Thanksgiving of this yeah. year. I've had so, a ton of Braxton Hicks contractions, which I've never yeah. had before. And so I feel like that's made you feel like this baby was going to come really early because yep. I feel like the beginning which my due of January date is tomorrow, the 13th yeah. of January. So I was like, oh, people have babies at 37, 38 weeks all oh, the time. So I'm sure. like, cool. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll have a baby really early. Even around Christmas time traveling, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, is this smart or not? And here we are at your due date. <laughs> here we are. But it is actually sweet tomorrow, the 13th. My actual due date is my brother-in-law's birthday. Okay. And his son was born on my husband's birthday. So oh, like cute. brothers. So selfishly or yeah. just whatever, personally for our family, the boys have always wanted me That's to not cute. go until the 13th. So then they can each have a child born on them other's birthday that's i'm like that's cute and my daughter's birthday was yesterday so we were thinking you were gonna have the baby yesterday but honestly for the way that girl needs her own birthday energy maybe it's for the best yeah she'd be like i don't want to share (laughs) no it'd be great hey we're okay we're about to get a big ice storm this weekend so we're feeling that's like what is stressful Mm -hmm. about all that because january kids yeah february i feel the same my birthday's february 7th Mm -hmm. or 6th and i've always had ice or snow right or it's often on my birthday you'll survive the roads will be good enough you'll have the baby and worst case scenario i'm calling justin miller your husband to truck. take me in the truck we live close enough that it'll work out we need so, to work out a deal if my water breaks in the truck oh gosh i actually meant to say should we put Some a like towel boots. underneath our cute how do you say Sherpa? the buckle oh buccal. is that what these are called yeah buckle oh. chairs sherpa is like the long More white fuzzy. fuzz okay this is book okay mm. i never know if it's i've always or called buccle. this sherpa oh this I is not no sherpa idea that white blanket i have on my couch that's yeah. sherpa yes this or like is... a vest like i have a sherpa vest yes. yes yes they definitely look different i just thought they were the same thing but um, yeah maybe we should have put a towel underneath <laughs> guys if you only get half this recording i was laughing though i was like what if we do get halfway through a recording my water breaks will we release that as an episode oh, absolutely. or no or will i we mean it could like be like a funny bonus too. okay right now she's just running outside <laughs> anyways so here we are it's the story of any pregnant friend of mine life of I'm still pregnant. I'm still pregnant until then one day you're not. And then you have yeah. the baby. And again, really was not feeling antsy until honestly yesterday. But it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. But we're excited for the conversation today, guys. I'm also closing out a journal like those days mm. that you use your last page of a 
journal. And I'm like, will you throw that away or keep it? This one I'll probably throw away because it's actually the majority of work Mm -hmm. stuff. And so I don't really need it. So in my journal, I've started when I'm done. It's like a spiral journal. You can see if you're watching video footage. Spiral. So when I'm done with each episode, we record those notes. I just tear Tear those out and throw them away. That's nice. You've moved on to the journal from the big purple stickies. Why? From my purple stickies. I ran out and I haven't ordered more. And I, this is better. It's better. Maybe a good Valentine's gift for you. It's also my gratitude journal. I keep it all in one what are you going to write in your gratitude journal today? I already wrote in it this morning. Okay, but you have something to add to it from what's happened this morning with your what? getting shocked. Oh, yeah. I have gotten this has never happened before in <laughs> our setting up to record and film this. I got shocked three times once on my lip from the microphone. And we're you know talking you like kind of get shocked. Not, like yeah. I said a cuss word. I'm sorry. I did. I did. Thanks for confessing twice. to everyone. I said the S word because it literally shocked me on my lip and it like wasn't you actually just a thought touch. it was cracked. You literally yeah, I'm like, because it was throbbing. Yeah. I think I got electrocuted. Then I got shocked in one ear, maybe. Yeah. Didn't hurt that. But I was like, that was weird again. And then it happened again in my ear, but it shot, shot down, your down neck. into my neck. What's happening, people? I'm grateful that I haven't died. I think you just have a lot of static on you or something. But yeah, again, your weird. outfit's not any different than what you would normally wear. No. Winter well, coats. Today, I don't know. Oh, I'm just jumping right in for us. But today we are chatting about something that seemed kind of duh on the outside of living the Christian life. If you've done any kind of Bible studies or just learned basic theology, but someone was teaching a class this fall that we were both in helped us understand the idea of how you put forgiveness, the forgiveness we get from God versus not wanting to use this free pass to sin Mm -hmm. theology. And so I think we all know that's not right. Oh, just because we know God's going to forgive us means I can just sin. The example that comes to mind immediately is Hannah Brown from The Bachelor years ago. Oh, you don't think about that when no. she, we had it in the promo clip we mm-hmm. did where she was like, yes, I had sex and God still loves me or whatever. Mm-hmm. OK, that's the epitome of showing that is a true statement for sure. But the attitude and the heart posture behind that reveals more of this maybe transactional relationship with God. Of OK, I'm going to do X, Y and Z, but I know that he'll still love me. I can be a mess. Thank God for forgiveness. You know what I mean? Like people having that kind of heart posture yeah. is not how we're commanded to live. Yep. And I think this conversation is actually coming off of our conversation last week, our pairing well together. And we even talked about that in our preparation of it. But part of that is also that we have to remember we as humans, as broken humans who don't do things correct and who do mess up and who are mm-hmm. not perfect like God, it is hard for us to reconcile or wrap our heads around something that he can do perfectly, mm-hmm. that we still get the opportunity to do, but we don't right. do it perfectly. So if we're breaking this down, the idea is what does forgiveness look like with a big F, like from God, like forgiveness? Mm-hmm. How does he forgive us? And then we get to forgive because he has forgiven us. But our forgiveness is going to look a lot more messy and it's going to look a lot more confusing. And maybe we're going to have to forgive over and over again. And we as humans can't reconcile what perfect Mm -hmm. forgiveness looks like. And so I think that's where grace can easily be, quote unquote, taken advantage of Mm -hmm. in our Christian walk because we don't understand his perfect forgiveness Mm -hmm. perfectly. And I think the way that she explained the big F versus little F is the big F, like you said, forgiveness that we get 
we get an overarching forgiveness. It's so hard to explain. She wrote it out on a whiteboard for our forgiveness overall for sins, like our salvation that we have. We've been forgiven. But then the little F she explained was that daily forgiveness that God also pours out to us. So not just Mm -hmm. us pouring out, but like that's the forgiveness of our individual sins on a daily basis. We are forgiven, but we still need forgiveness is how I remember her playing that out too. And Jesus, as we know, as the Bible states, sits at the right hand of God in heaven and he intercedes for us. So Mm -hmm. God is the heavenly father and Jesus as his son, Jesus as the one who came to earth as a human and as a man and lived a life, never sinned. Mm -hmm. He did live perfectly, but he understood our humanness more, maybe, and he intercedes for us. And Mm -hmm. so in that relationship, yes, we have forgiveness because we are children of God. We are created by God. We have brought him. We have accepted him into our lives. And then through Jesus, we need forgiveness all the time because we're broken. And I think we see in scripture, yes, if you're someone that struggles more with shame or not feeling you have God's complete forgiveness, this has to be separate in your mind. And I think it takes really knowing him more intimately to be able to separate the two. But there's very clear scripture stating that, yes, he loves us despite our sin. But like we talked about in the last episode is he hates our sin and he calls us to throw it away and to really flee from any sinful tendencies. You have to take those two things and say, oh, yeah, he loves me, but it is also him loving me to say, I am asking you to flee from sinful tendencies. There's been things in my life that I've been more convicted about lately that I'm like, oh, that's definitely a sin that I've just made little excuses for because I can say it doesn't affect others. It really isn't making that big of a difference in my life. And I've just felt God softening my heart to say like, no, that is a tiny seed of a huge weed that could grow. And he doesn't say, Hey, if it's a small thing, don't worry about it. I forgive you every day. Mm -hmm. He's saying, no, flee, throw it off. I think it says, throw it into the sea. There's Mm -hmm. other language like that said about it. And so I'm like, no, I want to be someone that takes any sin in my life seriously Mm -hmm. and acts like this is something I need to conquer. And we've talked about this before, so not to be redundant in that, but I think it's a perfect example. And we've talked about a resource that we love called the Gospel-Centered Life and the picture of that as we grow in our understanding of God's greatness, we also grow in our understanding of our brokenness and the depth of our sin. And I think in that, then we also get the opportunity that Mm -hmm. I think sometimes if maybe you're not a Christian or you're maybe like a baby Christian or not quite understanding what's that look like? I've accepted God into my heart. So now I'm going to live this like Mm -hmm. pure life. And no, you won't. Like you're still going to be sinning. And so what does that look like? Maybe you look at someone who's been following Jesus for 50 years Mm -hmm. and you think, how are they still confessing sin? They must be perfect. The reality of it is that they're not. And just deeper layers. Yeah. What we get to do with God is that he extends grace to us over and over and Mm -hmm. over again saying, hey, you are my child. I want you to be refined. I want you to flourish in how I have defined what flourishing means. And because of that, Mm -hmm. there will be things that get revealed to us that, yeah, maybe seem really small, but then we can get the opportunity to say, hey, rid that of me, get that out of my life, because that is drawing me Mm -hmm. farther away from God and not closer to him as we're called to be. That's good insight. And I think when you just said the baby Christian thing, it reminded me and something I had written down is just not in a negative way. So if you hear this and think, wow, I struggle with this, you're talking about me. That was me. That was you at some point. Mm-hmm. But I do think it tends to be a sign of a more baby Christian or just someone like really new in their faith. If you're still struggling with this idea of I can still sin and do whatever because I know God forgives me. Like I said in the beginning, I think you either don't fully understand the gospel and theology or you are just someone that 
maybe you want God for all the good in life, but not the hard ridding yourself of Mm -hmm. things that you know don't please him. And I think the more we truly know God and are walking with him, not only do we grow in seeing our sin more like you were just explaining, but we also want to be more like him. That is our calling that we daily look more and more like God. We rid ourselves of our own selfish desires to look more like him. And so Romans 6, 14 puts it well. And I like Mm -hmm. how it says it. It says, do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For all sin should not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. So in that one verse, how it says Mm -hmm. it in the last sentence, it's saying, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. It's taking those two things. Yeah, you can't live in the shame of your sin. The law, you're not here to just be legalistic and be a robot following Mm -hmm. God, but also you're not to live under the dominion of sin. And if we are just every day waking up and Mm -hmm. saying, it's a new day, God forgives me. I don't need to take my sin seriously. That's living under the dominion of sin. Yeah. And that's letting ultimately that reign in your life more than God. Mm -hmm. One of the greatest things that we obviously talk about living in community here and going there all the time. And one of the most richest things I've experienced in my adulthood is being able to confess sin that, again, going back to those small things in my life in the context of community. Mm -hmm. So when I'm asked, hey, how can I be praying for you or what do you need or what's life look like for you right now? It is really empowering and awesome for me when I'm able to share those things, but then also receive that from people, too, Mm -hmm. that you're able to say, I need prayer on how I am being prideful in my mindset yeah. towards my husband at home. I need prayer in these small things mm-hmm. that we really get to say, hey, no, that's actually pulling me away from mm-hmm. how God has intended me to live, that he wants me to be intentional. He wants me to have wisdom and discernment out of weeding myself to become more mm-hmm. Christ-like in him. So obviously we're throwing around this concept of grace. And so just to define that, I found this really awesome resource. We'll make sure to put it in our show notes. But I just thought it was a really great way to think about how is grace defined Mm -hmm. as how God gives it to us. So grace is defined as unmerited or undeserved favor. In order for grace to be able to make sense by itself, the recipient must have been in dire need of it. The truth is that grace has totally nothing to do with the one who receives it in the sense that that person's merit or their worthiness. Instead, it's completely dependent on the one who gives it. That God is gracious to us not because of our worthiness or not of something that we've done or will do, but he grants us this because of how he sees us in his sight. That's and I thought that was really mm-hmm. good because I was like, okay, this is what grace is. So again, he's going to love us and he's going to continue to mm-hmm. lavish grace upon us. But just like that Romans verse is saying, we also don't just get a free pass to act however. Yeah. And I think, again, a tendency in my earlier days following God or maybe even people who are hesitant to take that step to actually submit their lives to Christ. It can feel like all of these ways we have to throw sin away or really fight against it would be more limiting to our lives. But Paul says over and over in his Mm -hmm. letters that living this way actually leads us to complete freedom. And I think we've talked about that before in small ways. And I know that's been so true in my life is that when I live in that guise, obviously, I might not be realizing what I shared earlier. These small little sin patterns In fact, on Monday, I was having coffee with a friend and I confessed some sin of just something so small and tiny. And she was like, I don't see that in you at all. That's just not something I would have ever thought you're struggling with. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't even think I'm struggling with it. I think I've just been convicted of a very small thing that, again, is a seed that I can notice myself tend to. And I don't want that in a year, in a month, in a week to have reign and dominion in my life. And I feel more convicted to fight against that. And so 
I think that actually that doesn't make me now feel like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm always just picking myself apart or there's always something to work on. It actually leads me to feeling freedom. I don't let evil in this world control me. I want God to reign. And when I submit to that, it's always a better path. So I feel like Spurgeon talked a lot about this whole part of that Romans verse that said sin should not have dominion. And he says in a lot of his writing that this gives us a test, a promise, and an encouragement. And I like that as a takeaway or like how we can think about that last piece of that scripture. So it's saying that it's a test in the way, a question for you all, is sin controlling you? Example, are you feeling so angry all the time or not even all the time, but do you feel yourself tend to anger in moments that you don't have control? Are you complaining a lot in your daily life? Do you feel like you struggle with pride? These are those little things that don't seem like blaring obvious sin patterns that I think really can take root in our lives. So that's the test it gives us. It also reminds us of the promise of victory. So we already know that sin won't have dominion in our lives. At the end of the day, that big F forgiveness, we already are forgiven through God, through his grace, like you were just sharing. And then at the end, it gives us that encouragement by saying, you have everything you need through Christ to battle sin. You're not just going into a war alone. When I said earlier, I need to battle that. I should be honest. It's not me and my own will. How many times have you had something in your life that you're like, okay, I'm going to wake up today. I'm going to myself to go work out. I'm going to be nice to my husband today. I'm not going to snip. I'm not Mm going to get angry with my kids. I'm going to do it. Then five minutes later, it starts. I can't Mm -hmm. do it on my own. I need to be prayerful. I need to ask for help. I need to be quick to take that to God when I do mess up then and say, okay, God, here I am. I knew I couldn't do this on my own. Please forgive me. Be with me as I continue through the day. And so I think that I love how Spurgeon broke that up like that because so often we just read Mm -hmm. scripture and we're like, great, but we forget that has a lot of practical things we can take Mm -hmm. into our lives. You mentioned some Romans verses earlier. There's a ton in Hebrews as well that they talk about the bondage of sin. And Mm -hmm. I think it's so interesting. I love the imagery of how the Bible talks about different things. And when they talk about living in sin and what sin does to Mm -hmm. your life, all of the words around it literally just listed some of like bondage, chains, broken, entangled, that all of these pictures of sin, we are never given in the Bible to like, yes, we all probably can relate to there are some sins that were like, bummer in our fleshy worldly sense that we enjoy that we're like oh Mm -hmm. it's easier to do that sin than actually try to be holy but the bible says nothing about that that the bible only says this will only bring bondage it will only make you in chains it will only entangle you that none of these things are good things and Mm -hmm. so right there we get the example of we're not called into that and so how can we live lives apart from that and so Mm -hmm. i think it starts like you're talking about is really looking at my life of saying holy spirit i need you to intercede Mm -hmm. for me in how I respond in these situations or how I think about these people or how I talk about this friend when they're not around. And we have to be willing to do that or we are in bondage. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like what we've talked about before. Bible is very clear about we are either growing towards God and more holy or we're growing against God and away from him. The Bible is clear that there are two directions you can be going and how that's a little bit scary when you think about Mm -hmm. it. But it's like, how are we really ridding ourselves of not taking advantage of this grace, but Mm -hmm. really saying, God, I know that you have ultimately won. And I think that's what is the best part of this whole conversation is that he has already won the victory. You mentioned that the victory is already ours, Mm -hmm. but then we have to live that out day to day. Paul wrote something when he was writing letters to those early churches, which I've just been, we're getting ready to do a really in-depth study on the Thessalonians first and second Thessalonians. And so I've been reading through those two books of the Bible the last few days. And I'm always so just 
taken aback. I think a chosen that series, if you've Mm -hmm. never watched that series, it has helped me so much in my faith to really picture. Okay, when Paul was writing these letters from prison to these early churches, these people, I was in my Bible study group a few weeks ago, we were talking about that, like, what would that have been like for these Jewish people to now be Christians? And they're all together, Mm -hmm. they're Jewish, and there's Roman people who are now deciding to follow God. And so they're meshed together. They have all these weird backgrounds of legalism and law, and Paul's trying to get them to push that aside. And then you have these Romans. they lived their whole life by law. This is what I do for these things. It's overwhelming. And then you have all these other people who weren't practicing Jewish law, but they're now trying to follow Christ. And they're confused because they're like, are we even worthy of this? Can we? Because for this whole time, it's only been the Jewish people Mm -hmm. who have worshipped this one God and who have been looking for this Savior. Imagine the cluster. We like to think about the clusters that our current day churches are, and they are, and there's church hurt. But like, think about those early churches. They Mm -hmm. were a mess. So Paul's always writing to convict them, to call things out, and mostly to encourage them. So something that he wrote about a few times in different letters is reminding us that a lifestyle of habitual sin is not compatible with one whose life is changed by grace. And when I read that in a commentary, Mm -hmm. it was commenting on some of Spurgeon's writings on this whole idea. I was so convicted because I do think that's something. There's a difference between, yes, all of us will have certain patterns of sin that follow us throughout our lives. We will be on our deathbed and be like, wow, I still battle this one insecurity that I remember at six years old feeling whatever. But I think if we get in the habit of just letting sin sit, we have to question for ourselves. Obviously, we can't judge other people's faith and their relationship with God. But I think for yourself, you have to question Am I truly following God? Am I truly submitting my life to Jesus? Because if your life is marked by habitual sin, there is a disconnect. Is the Holy Spirit working in your life? I think that's very convicting when Paul says that. And I love how I get so afraid to say things like that. But he was not at all. He was like, this is a mark Mm -hmm. of someone following Jesus as you were ridding yourself from sin. And so I want that to be true in my life. I'm like, I do know I know Jesus personally. And so what does that mean if I am just letting sin control my life? And I personally believe if you're someone walking with God, eventually that sin If you're not going to be open to confronting it and being convicted by it and letting that change your life, I do think that God will convict you of it or something will happen in your life where you're like, wow, now I really have to address Mm -hmm. this. And maybe you are a girl right now hearing that. What the heck? I don't even know where to start because that's so confusing to me. Even if you genuinely are saying, no, I am trying to rid myself of all these things. I Mm -hmm. do this and I attend these things and I'm friends with these people and I pray and I read my Bible, all these things. I think even simply starting it literally praying to God and asking him reveal these things to me that reveal through your Holy Spirit the ways that I need to be challenged to grow. And maybe he brings new people in your life. Mm -hmm. Maybe he is going to reveal things to you in the ways that you talk or you think or you spend money or I could think of a billion different ways that I have been convicted when I ask those things. Again, it's bold to ask, but it's genuinely ask, Lord, reveal these things to me. Allow me to be someone who could be humbled before you Mm -hmm. and need your help in these ways. Because I think it can be really overwhelming when we have a conversation like this and you're like, I'm doing all the things. But again, we'll get on our high horse and say, you can't know these things about how God wants you to live unless Mm -hmm. you're reading the word for yourself and unless you are learning more about his character and who he's made us to be. We so easily have blinders on and sometimes Mm -hmm. I've had sin just be, it's like I've been living in darkness and then I'm like, oh my gosh, the way I have been living is sinful and how did I not even realize that? Usually that's because I'm 
very selfish in that time. I'm not really spending time with God and I'm only looking to my own interest. Maybe something's going on in my life that I have my eyes set forward and I think I'm checking off all the boxes, mm-hmm. but am I really submitting my day and my heart to mm-hmm. the Lord? Am I really saying, hey, what in my life needs to change so that I can best glorify you with mm-hmm. each day? That's really hard to do because sometimes when I pray that, I'm like, do I feel really convicted enough. Do I really need to know about some deep, dark well, sin right now? Well, cliche enough, but vulnerability breeds vulnerability. So mm-hmm. let's be a community who is also yeah. willing to share that, to bring other people into it and say, hey, I am really asking God to reveal to me the areas that I need to be refined mm-hmm. and I want to bring glory to him in ways that I am sinning. Mm-hmm. And so please join me in prayer in that. Hey, I share those things with you of mm-hmm. saying, hey, I need help in my yeah. tongue or I need help in my thoughts or I need help in these areas. And Mm -hmm. I think when we can do that in communities, then it's encouraging to other people to say, okay, do I need to maybe work on that too? And do I need to actually maybe you don't realize Yeah. Because again, I think sin is dark and sin Mm -hmm. is, like you said, blinders. And so I think bringing light to that is really powerful as well. Yeah. I like that too. Instead of going to get coffee with a friend and maybe calling out ways that you think they've been sinful, (laughs) maybe you just be the one to bring to the table. Hey, I've really been noticing I'm sinning a lot in these ways. Can you pray for me? And maybe don't put that on the other person. Let them feel convicted. And I just think in our culture, there's a lot of people who constantly feel the need to go call out other people's sin. And I'm not saying that's wrong in some contexts, but I think most often it's done in a really unhealthy way because we're not revealing or admitting or confessing our own sin first. And I think that's most important. I'm like, I had enough sin going on in my own heart right now. I'm concerned about your sin for sure, but I need to be confessing mine first and Mm -hmm. foremost. That's so good. That could be a whole other conversation because I sit there and I'm like, the number of times people have asked like, how should I talk to this girl about yada, yada, yada? Have you shared your sin with her? I'm like, yeah. And how are you sinning right now? It's just good. Not to say then you still don't need to go have that conversation. Yes. But I think it's a really good checkpoint in your life. If someone asks you, how can I be praying for you? What sin are you struggling with? Mm -hmm. And if I couldn't come up with anything, Mm -hmm. that's a red flag. I should at all times be aware of tendencies and patterns in my life. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need to be some absolute thing. You were saying pride or for me, yeah, being kinder in my speaking and my tongue or Mm -hmm. whatever it is. Yeah, let's both go back and forth and share ours now. Yeah, let's (laughs) go. Let's go. Let's share each other. We'll do that after off mic. But we hope this conversation has been encouraging. Again, it maybe almost feels cliche to have or elementary, but it's something that God has impressed upon our heart. We hope that even just at the start of a year still that we are pressing in and asking God to reveal to us how do we become more holy and more like you? And so we hope that was encouraging to you. And we'll make sure to link the verses that we talked about and also all the resources in our show notes. Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon. Thank you.